name's Eileen Townsend, and I'm the editor of the Northern Logger and Timber Processor, a trade magazine for the forest products industry that's based out of the Adirondack Mountains in New York State. On this podcast, we're going to talk to people throughout the industry, loggers, truckers, sawmill operators and owners, foresters, about the day-to-day issues that affect your lives. This month on the podcast, we spoke with Kevin Brayman. Kevin is a logger who didn't actually grow up in the woods. He grew up farming, but he always knew that he loved being out in the woods. And as a young man in the 1980s, he would supplement his income from farming by processing firewood. When the time came for him to really make a decision about what he wanted to do with his career, he decided to devote himself full-time to logging, and now he has 35 years on the job. So we spoke with him about what it takes to have a successful career, and also to prioritize the health of the forest and relationships with the people that you work with. We also speak with Steve Long, who is a former editor of Northern Woodlands magazine, about working with Kevin and about what it takes to have a successful relationship as a landowner with a logger who you work with over the course of many years. Thanks for listening. On to Kevin. You've been in the industry for a long time, and uh, I just was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got started in the industry. Yeah, well, I logged uh home farm back in 81. Actually, I was farming with my parents, and then I bought the farm in 85. And, you know, not that I didn't like farming, uh, because I did, but I had to make a decision what I was going to do with my life, and I decided to do logging because you know, I really enjoyed the woods and whatnot. And before that, I did do a lot of firewood to supplement my income. But, you know, I've been logging for you know, 35 plus years after I get done with the firewood business. We have some really nice maple. Um, you know, Orange County has some incredible maple. The soils here are just really great for maple. Um, you know, we've lost, you know, a lot of mills. Um, you know, it's not nearly as good as it was, but I got a couple cable skitters, and I do have a couple dozers too, but I'm, you know, really into the selective cutting, and, you know, um, I got an axe and a couple wedges that I'll use when I'm logging, Um, you know, just, it's all about directional felling, and, you know, um, just doing real quality work, there's two, three pieces of property that I've logged for a third time and a fair amount of properties that I've logged twice. But, you know, I'm real fortunate that we do have some really good hardwood. I mean, I logged one piece of property uh, back in the late 80s, 1,100 acres, and actually I'm logging on a per- person's property right now. He owns 1,200 acres, but, um, you know, there'll be like 50 to 80, you know, uh, lots, and that's not just 1,200 acres on one particular lot, but oh, 30 to 50, um, you know, which are real good 
sizes to work with. If they're too big, you know, the skit can be, you know, quite a ways, and that just makes it more difficult and not so profitable. I've had people in the past that have worked for me, but I really enjoy working alone. Um, you know, I cut the trees, I, you know, hook them up, then I cut them up, you know, at the landing with my chainsaw. I don't have a slasher or any automation at all. Um, the cable skitters, you know, work really, really good. <clears throat> it's pretty steep in central Vermont, and, you know, I run a 100 feet of cable, so if I have to pull out 100 feet to reach a tree, I, I can do that, and you can just do definitely can do better work with cable skitter compared to a grapple skitter. I worked for 17 different foresters, um, you know, but I also do a fair amount of, uh, you know, on my own too. Like I did a job this summer, I was just recommended to this guy. This guy bought the land in 1966 and it hadn't been logged and that's 145 acres and I told him that you wouldn't want all the money right now, so we're going to do it, you know, in thirds. So it's hardwood. There is some pine, but it's pretty interesting, the fact that nothing's been done for, um, you know, 50-plus years. Um, you know, so, you know, there'll be a fair amount of stuff to cut in a situation like that because, you know, nothing's ever been done. Um Coming up with that good balance, you know, you take some trees, you know, and, and you leave some trees. You try to generate pretty much the ballpark figure to what the landowner wants, but at the same time, leave the woods the way you really want them left. You know, I just love the fact that when I log a piece of property, you know, whoever, I want them to see, see it so they can see just how good it looks. And, you know, you just want a lot of good trees growing for the next cut you always want to be thinking of that future cut which is really really important so you generate so much and cut so much now but at the same time you're thinking of that you know cut 15 20 years down the road um you know with hardwood that's a pretty common you know time frame for when you cut it the next time around i actually never even come close to think about getting, you know, going automated. I really enjoy doing it the old-fashioned way. You know, I move a fair amount of wood for a one-man operation. It just works out financially. And right now, the way things are with this virus and then that mill that went down in Maine, you know, um, I'm just really glad that I'm small. I'm not nearly as vulnerable as if you were big. I mean, these people have got a lot of equipment. They've got to move a lot of wood. You know, a lot of them are really hurting right now. I'm putting a lot of focus on cutting ash because of the arrow ash bore. And I, I do a lot of work with Red Star Forestry and, you know, the job I'm on right now for Red Star. And I have a connection with a guy that's got a wood processor that, you know, he sells 12 to 1400 quarter a year. We have a really good relationship, so, you know, Pope's terrible right now, and the fact, you know, that I can sell firewood's just a really big deal. And I want to just focus entirely on just logging. Um, that's 
one thing that I figured out, you know, earlier on, I, you know, tried to do too much, um, and you just spread yourself too thin, and you don't do a good job with anything because you just spread too thin. So I just focus entirely. What advice would you have to somebody that is uh, looking to get into the industry now? Well, I would definitely tell them to to start out small. You know, my skitters were just twenty five thousand a piece, and you've got to know for sure that's what you want to do. I mean, that's critical. If you're not real sure, you're probably not going to succeed. I mean, you just got to really want to do it and you know, put your time in, you know, get there in the morning and put a good eight, eight and a half hour day in. Um, You know, like this summer was a really good summer for logging. We had very little rain. And right now it's terrible because of the fall mud season. Um, And, you know, you just look back and you say, boy, I'm really glad that I worked hard this summer to kind of get you through the way things are right now. But, you know, you just want to really take care of your equipment, do a really good job servicing it, you know, and just build relationships with everyone you deal with. Um, You know, I just have a real interest in, you know, doing the right thing. Um, You know, I love being a stewardess to the land. I mean, I also, you know, we hay, me and my wife and kids in the summertime, we put up 9,000 square bales, so I'm you know, I really like taking care of Hayland, too. But just got that real interest. You know, it's kind of just in me. Um, and also, you know, just listening to, to other people, too. Um, you know, I just get a lot of satisfaction out of doing it for the industry, for the landowner, for the foresters, you know, and, you know, for, for the wildlife. You know, when I logged Lake Mitchell Trail Club, the... 1,100-acre parcel, you know, that was a lot to do for wildlife. We did some patch cuts, you know, which are really good for wildlife and uh, different trees. You know, when you you get a piece of property to log, depending on the train, um, like this piece of property, the train's actually real gentle. I've logged some really steep ground, and when you log really steep ground it's you know quite a bit more demanding but um you lose options on you know ways of getting the wood out of the woods um if it's flatter you know you may have sometimes four ways of bringing that wood out uh, but the directional felling is just huge so when you hook onto it you won't skin up other trees and also, when you fall the tree down, you don't do a bunch of limb damage, too. The bulkier loggers have, you know, the knowledge. You know, it's not like I have any more knowledge than anyone else, but it's just a matter of putting it into action. Um, I get just got a burning desire to just not damage the trees, um, you know, and when when you get done, to go back and just see... You know, the way the woods look is just a very rewarding thing. And then when you cut it a second time and you know, sometimes a third time, you know, to know that it was really the right thing to do. And one really neat thing, you know, when I log a piece of property, it only, you know, let's say it's a 30, 40 acre piece of property. You know, I may only have 
20 veneer logs that would be, let's say, 2,000 feet. And that 2,000 feet, you know, would bring like $7,000 and, you know, the landowner will get 70%, you know, so they'll get, you know, roughly $5,000, you know, and it's a surprisingly big percentage of what they get in stumpage for the job for just those few veneer logs. And I'll always explain, you know, the importance of growing those veneer trees um, just to really help out with the stumpage. Do you notice a difference in the the landowners, the newer landowners versus older landowners in terms of what they want to do with their forest these days? Yeah, that's that's a pretty pretty good question. Um, you know, there's quite a quite a variance. Um, of course, when people are in land use, you know, they're supposed to have something done. There's a management plan done by a forester. Um, you know, some. People really need money, uh, but I I won't log it any differently. And then you got some people too that, you know, they just have a hard time doing anything. Well, I actually this property I did this summer, this guy was really negative on logging. So, um, you know, because I logged some land that abutted his years ago, and you know, he was just real negative. Now I'm logging his property, um, and. You know, I mean, I know what kind of a job I'm doing, and, you know, he doesn't say much about, you know, boy, that really looks good what you've done, but I, you know, clearly am aware that, you know, he's just not too crazy about logging, Uh, so when everything's all said and done, I'm just really hoping that I persuaded him, you know, that, boy, this isn't bad. You know, he, he is truly a case, though, that, you know, he really doesn't need the money. You know, he was never married, and he's 80 years old, and, you know, he had had a good job, you know, um, but, you know, it still doesn't make any sense. I mean, he bought that land, you know, actually it was, a, you know, as I said, 145 acres, and he bought that land back in 1966 for 850 bucks. You know, that was a case. Well, land just didn't have the value back then that it does now. You know, when I bought, I mean, I owned 270 acres, and that a really good thing too as far as logging other people's property you know I know first hand what it's like being a landowner and you know I feel it's important that people practice what they preach and you know I just would love to have anyone walk my property you know so they can just see the way it looks you know um, and you know, I don't treat my land any... I treat everyone's land just like I treat my own land. Dave Paganelli, he's the Orange County Forester. Um, he come up to where I was logging. He just inspected, you know, the, a piece of property I own. It's a 66-acre parcel, and he remarked about, boy, how good that piece of property looked. And what he meant by that was you know, just a, a good amount of veneer-quality trees, and it just real clean and um, just well-managed. Um, you know, back in uh, probably middle 70s, Myron Smith, who was the Orange County Forester then, you know, marked it, and, you know, I cut. It was. It turned out to be 10 cord per acre, and we went over about 40 acres, so did 400 
cord of wood, and I distinctly remember Myron saying that he had a hard time marking it because all the trees were so nice. So, you know, I, I logged it early 90s. I made a light cut. Um, and if you looked at that property now, I mean, you, you just wouldn't believe it. Um, you know, the amount of wood that had come off from it, you know, and the way it looks now, it's pretty, pretty incredible. So can you tell me a little bit about your family and if you had any kids that were interested in logging or, you know, I guess you come from a farm family, so. Yeah, well, I was married in 93, and, you know, I got two daughters and three stepdaughters, and I got an older brother that, you know, logged, and he's big into sugar, and I was in partnership with him, and we dissolved partnerships in 92. My, my uncle, Fred, who I've got, you know, he was my role model. I got tremendous respect for, and he had a tremendous reputation. He just turned 87 in Groton, Vermont. I mean, you know, he just incredible logger, and the landowners, you know, he did really, really well by the landowners, and I just more or less tried to follow in his footsteps, and you know, my grandfather actually had 16 men working for him. He supplemented, you know, his income with um, doing wood, you know, back in the early 1900s. You know, being raised on a farm definitely had a real positive influence. And my uncle, you know, he, he's uh, definitely had a really, really big influence on me deciding to be a logger. And I worked for him for a month to um, in the early 80s and learn quite a bit um, but you know he just had he never went to school like I never went to school you know kind of a trial and error thing but you know he took on responsibility at a real young age I mean he was 25 you know when this was cut in 58 um, and I just really come to realize that the fact that he took on responsibility at a young age had a really big influence to why he was as successful as he was. And, you know, me, likewise, I mean, took on responsibility at a real young age on the farm. And then when I got into logging, um, you know, you gotta, got to be responsible for sure. Um, it just makes a really big difference on how successful you're going to be. Don't think things are going to happen overnight. Just accept the fact that it's going to happen over time, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's great for your appreciation level, too, for sure. I got an uncle that lives in Portland, Oregon, and he remembers when his dad uh, thinned out a, a chunk of hardwoods, um, you know, of course, out in Portland, Oregon, you know, you got your Doug fir and your ponderosa pine, and he was out, uh, oh, this was probably like 10 years ago, and he says, let's go over to Corinth and check out that hardwood stand that my dad thinned down, and he, he looked at those trees, and he says, geez, don't look like they've hardly grown, you know, in comparison to Doug fir and ponderosa pine. But, you know, there were some trees up here that I didn't cut in 81, and I'm just so glad, you know, trees that are always, I was on the edge of cutting, and I'm just so glad I didn't cut them. And I remembered how big they were then, and, of course, how big they are now. You know, I'm just so glad I didn't cut them. 
Steve Long isn't a formally trained forester, but he learned a lot about his woods from editing Northern Woodlands magazine for many years. And he spoke about his relationship with Kevin Brayman and about his corner of Vermont and everything it takes to be a successful logger in that region. You've known Kevin for a long time, right? Yeah, he's logged on my land um, probably a half a dozen times in the last 20 years. I can't, I couldn't tell you when his, the first time that he he did work on my land, but it's it, it's at least 15 years ago. He works on his own. He he has a, a cable skitter. Um, and I think it's the same cable skitter that he started with, you know, 30 or so years ago. You know, so he he works a lot of a lot of the times he works for foresters. Foresters mark the timber, and and he cuts it and he does the marketing. You know, he enters into a contract with the landowner, um, and I'm probably fairly typical of the landowners that he works for. And, you know, we've got 140 acres, which is sort of a typical size for around here. I've been very interested in trying to um, grow really nice timber. And Kevin has been part of that process because we've cut loads and loads of firewood. The ratio of firewood to saw logs has been really, really high toward toward firewood. And consequently, you know, I've I've got woods that, you know, have really nice stocking of good timber. So um, we've improved the value over the years while taking off, you know, getting some income from it, all on the service of, of improving the, the, the residual stand. Kevin is really, really good at um, not... Uh, damaging um, what he's leaving behind. He, he's just so diligent at, you know, not doing any damage. I mean, he's, he's remarkably good at that. Um, so always falling trees, you know, really precisely and figuring out what's the best way to get them out of the woods without digging up all the all the trees that he's that he's skidding through. Um, so he's just uh, he's he, you know he's an incredibly conscientious uh, logger, and uh, it's been you know it's been great to have someone like that work on on my woods. He works um, does a bunch of work for um, Red Star Forestry. Uh, Marcus Bradley is. In particular, he's been my forester for a long time, and um, and Marcus keeps Kevin pretty busy. And so, on your particular uh, property, what are some of the challenges of of logging there? Well, it's wet, um, and so it it's um, you know you've got to do you've got to pick your your time of year when you can get in there and not get into the mud um so it tends to be late late summer is the the best the best time for working in in my woods although i think that we're going to try to um to do a job there this this winter we've never done winter logging in there but um 
um, I'm I'm hoping that if if markets are decent um, and things freeze up all right, that we'll try to do it. Um, uh, do it in the winter. So the moisture, the uh, the moist soils is one thing. It's it's really really steep, you know, and it's not it's not something that. I mean, I, I can't I can't quite picture uh, um, mechanized equipment having a lot of success on it. This area of Vermont is just really really hilly, and um, small operators like Kevin have been able to figure out how to how to make a good living doing it. But I just really can't picture a, a cut to length system going up in there and having any any real success with it it just it'd be just so tippy for them i think it'd be i think it'd be tough so it's um it seems like it's it's kind of tailor-made for um uh you know a small a small cable skitter um, or even dozers you know people have used dozers and woods like these so when you communicate with kevin i mean what what are the hallmarks of uh, good communication with a logger who you're working with, which I assume you have with Kevin since he's logged your land three times. There's there's a few things, but you know the 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 forester enters into it as well. You know, so um, as does the trucker. We're we're all in communication on. Um, I mean, he knows what. I like and what I like my woods to look like. Um, I don't. I, I for one don't mind leaving a lot of the tops in the in the woods, and so I'm not really big on on super utilization of of the tops. I like them, you know, knocked down a little bit, but I feel like that protects the the regeneration that's in there, um, and ultimately those tops are gonna disintegrate but it 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 keeps the the deer off of of uh the you know saplings and seedlings so that's that's uh, you know something that um I have been able to communicate to him over over the years and you know I'm sure it's a, he likes it you know to be able to leave it like that and he's designed roads in there new new skid trails for me um and that's always, you know, he'll have an idea or he and Marcus will have an idea and, and we'll go take a walk and look at it and see, make sure that that all makes sense. Um, so, um, but, you know, he's, uh, he's the guy on the ground who implements all the things that we talk about and, and agree to. He's, he's the one who's got to make it happen. I, I can't say enough good things about about Kevin and his and um, his abilities, and you know, and in his uh, capacity to visualize how something will look, and and you know, in laying out laying out roads and figuring out um, better ways. Like I was saying, it I, I have my my ground is pretty wet, but he's managed to figure out ways to get roads that are um, in on the the soils that can handle it, uh, gra- more gravelly soils that he's been able to figure out how to how to get the wood how to get the roads in um, across that terrain rather than 
the the wetter stuff. Um, one of the things that I, I enjoy about Kevin is is that, um, and it is part of the notion of the communication. But you know, I'll go down and and you know when I hear him come in with a hitch, and I know he'll be down at the landing, or I'll go up and and visit with him in the woods. And you know, here's someone who is um, I, he's remarkably productive. I mean, he. He just gets a hell of a lot done, um, but he's not so obsessed with getting the work done that he he can't sit and chew the fat for you know twenty minutes or whatever. Um, he's just always very welcoming and happy to show you what's going on in the woods or happy to show you the you know the the logs that he's pulled out and you know and he could. You know, look at any log on the pile there and tell you exactly where it came from and and what he had to do to get it out. And you know, so he's in his element. He's just uh, very, very um, happy to to tell you anything. You know, but he's he's basically a fairly quiet guy. Um, but uh, it, you know, given given the opportunity to to talk about the work in the woods is just uh, very, very, very forthcoming and just a, a, a great pleasure to, to be around. People love to have Kevin working on their, their land um, for, for both those reasons, you know, that A, he does really, really good work and, and B, he's just such a really good, honest guy and and you know he's got these long-term relationships with the mills and so um you know that you're always going to be getting good prices from the mills because you know kevin negotiates it and you just know that he's gonna he's gonna get the best the best price that he can get and um and that that's going to be passed on to you now he's just been at it for so long and has developed all these really good relationships, good relationships with landowners, good relationships with with different foresters. Marcus, of course, isn't the only one he works for. He's got a great trucker, Donnie Moore, who's been working for him forever, and he's a great guy. And so I just feel really blessed to have them uh, part, of the, part of the team that I can count on in my woods. Thank you so much, and I hope you have a good afternoon. All right, likewise. You too. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to the Northern Logger Podcast. Hope everybody is having happy holidays and a great new year.